The title of the message today is, Do You See This Woman? It's from a passage in the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 7. Is there a way to get that up there? The slide's up there, I'm sorry. I actually failed to print out my notes today, so I do need that, and it's 100% on me. So please forgive me. And... uh, This feels to me like one of the strangest uh, messages I've ever felt like I needed to do, and I have no idea why I'm doing this. Um, it's, it's really awkward. Like, I've done messages, I don't know, I'm, I lost count, but it's probably in the 700 zone. After all these years, at least over 500, could be up to 1,000. I don't, fe- I don't remember feeling so uncertain why I'm doing this message as today. And so I'll just let you into my world. But I think it has something to do with this. Um, on Monday, Jackie and I had a belated uh, Valentine's Day lunch. Um, one of us was... What happened? It was a, somebody was sick. Everyone was sick. Okay, you weren't feeling great, so um, and so we belated our Valentine's Day lunch and we went out to some place and Jackie ordered chicken fingers, which for her is like the best food in the universe, up there at least, but up there. And when she ordered the chicken fingers, this smile came across her face that was just like the purest joyful (laughs) anticipation, happiness, with just a touch of, like, that Jackie sass that's in there sometimes. And we've been married 21 years-ish. I'm a guy. I don't do numbers. I'm so sorry. I spend more money on the presents because I don't know why I'm buying them half the time, so that's how I try to even it out. Um... Anyhow, it took me a few days to figure out what I saw there, and I think I figured it out. I was like, that's what eternity looks like. I don't know what up here, but I want to talk about a time when Jesus stopped to try to get someone to see the woman that was right in front of him, as she really is. And we'll see if something good happens from this. So while we read this story. One of the Pharisees asked him, that's Jesus, to eat with him, which is a big deal. We go out to meals to often meet people. Back then, if you had a meal together, that was significant. And he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, probably doing that kind of thing Andrew was talking about with who uh, Carl and Diego are ministering to, 
uh, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her, the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. So as I understand this, you know, I'm not sure what everyone's house was set up like, but we eat meals, usually chairs around table, and they would often be like lying down on their side at table, which is why it talks about reclining at table. That Those words don't make sense to us, like, like you were in a lazy boy and you clunked it down, but how do you get to the food? But they had some kind of centralized table and they would be lying at their side eating, and I think that helps explain how someone could kind of sneak up behind you and be weeping on your feet because she's not getting under a chair to do this. He's probably lying on his side and she's kind of approached from an angle to start doing this. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. Uh, for she's a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, you know, it's not safe to think around Jesus. (laughs) This is encouragement to pray. You might as well say it out loud because he knows. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. And a certain money lender who had two debtors, everybody who had a variable rate mortgage, this is a very uh, heavy feeling message for you right now. A certain money lender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them would love him more? And Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom... He canceled the larger debt, and he said to him, you've judged rightly. Um, it's dangerous to get things right around Jesus. Because when you prove that you're smart enough to understand, it proves that the reason you don't understand has to do with your heart and not your head. Uh, then, turning towards the woman, he said, Simon, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? The answer is obviously not, right? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she had not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you that her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So I read a story like this, and I am immediately in worship for the... um, What's the word I'm looking for here? Security of Jesus. The like personal security and lack of insecurity of Jesus Christ. Because, I mean, just even think about things today. If, you know, a pastor was out at a meal and some lady who was dressed like that came up and was like kissing his feet and he didn't do anything about it, he would get so me too'd on Twitter. So fast. 
right? And, uh, and even as a pastor, I, I'm probably overly scrupulous, but pretty scrupulous because I know from just watching life that Christian leaders go down like one of three ways. They have a doctrinal meltdown, they steal money, or they run away with a worship leader, right? It's, it's just the, the workplace hazards. Firefighters, smoke inhalation. I'm, I'm not trying to be funny at all. Like, when I came into this job, I'm like, these are how you die in this job. And when a pastor goes down, he doesn't go down alone. He takes half his church with him, at least their faith for like five or ten years. If he goes down by like sin or whatever. And so, I don't know if I'm doing everything right. Uh, Jackie and I are doing great in our marriage, which is wonderful. Um, I think my conscience is clear. But I just look at this moment where Jesus, in allowing this broken woman to come and worship the way that seemed most true and natural in the moment, exposed himself to all kinds of gossip and slander. So he's pretty secure, this Jesus of ours. And part of what makes him so secure is he always saw things the way they really were. And that's where our security comes from as Christians. When we see things the way they actually are, we we do settle. It's when we don't see things right that we end up being and doing weird. But Jesus uh, receives this woman as she is because she's, she, he knows from her actions that she is a child of God now. She's forgiven of her sins now. She's going to live forever now. She's a treasure of Christ now. And she is a woman deserving of honor and respect and public praise now. He sees things the way they really are. But in part because of her reputation and in part because of the hard heart of the people that are at dinner, they don't see her. And they don't see her how she is, and so they don't know God, and so they respond bad. And so that's when Simon, Jesus sets up this, this trap question for Simon. I think after reading the Bible this long, if I feel like God ever asked me a question, I'm just going to say, I'm wrong. <laughs> hey, Rob, I've got a question for you. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. <laughs> okay? like, I don't, I don't want to become a story Jesus. You know, I don't want to end up in a gospel. Can I just, I'm just going to tap out. Oh my God, like you can take over here. You know, I get it. Do I sound unbelieving? I think just Jesus is loving and dangerous. I think he's the best thing you'll ever meet, but you never want to turn your back on him. Um. You know, we love him for being the lamb who was slain, and we forget that he is the Lion of Judah. Amen. And you don't want him not a lion, because someday you're going to need the lion. And in the Church of Jesus in North America, we need the lion. Today. He sets up this trap for Simon and asks him a question, and And you wonder what happened to Simon. You, I wonder what happened to Simon. 
You hope he made it. It doesn't look good from the story, but Peter also had a few stories where it didn't look good for him. But you kind of hope. That he, that he responded to the word of God eventually with humility and repented. I really like Jesus. I really like him. I know I'm joking about him being dangerous, but I'm so glad he's dangerous. I'm so glad he's good. And strong, troublesome, sometimes inflexible. I'm so glad he's him, how he really is. Saints, I don't preach the Bible because it helps me feel smart. It's true. I need true. Or I'm toast. I don't want to live in a world where I don't have access to true. And between Jesus and the Spirit and the Word of God, I've got enough true to keep me going till I see the face of Christ. And this is a true story about Jesus. Maybe I should just say it. Sisters, Jesus sees you. How you really are. Sometimes you don't even see you how you really are. Sometimes you see you how you wish you were. Sometimes you see you how you're afraid other people see you. But Jesus sees you how you really are. And if you've come to him to love him, you've come home. He will protect you. He will protect you. There's a, one of the commands of the Sermon on the Mount, and we're working through the Sermon on the Mount, and there's Proverbs group we started a few months ago, and now we're adding flavors to Proverbs. So Proverbs started off as a cheese pizza, and now when we do Proverbs, we're adding different uh, flavor spices on top of it. Last month, we worked through... I don't even remember. What did we do last month? James and First Peter, thank you, sir. Somebody was paying attention. This week we're doing the, this month we're doing the Sermon on the Mount, and there's that one saying, do you remember where Jesus said, you know, you think you've avoided committing adultery because you've never touched another woman, but I say that if you even think about her like that, you've already committed adultery in your heart, so why don't you cut off your hand if it causes you to sin? And these kinds of commands can be so terrifying for people because we all know our heart is the place where we see the junk. But I love it that Jesus said that because the first thing you learn about Jesus is that this is what he's like. He never thinks a thought that uses anybody. He never thinks a thought that degrades anybody. He never thinks a thought that is unholy towards anybody. And he's just saying, come on, guys. This way to eternal life. Be like me. 
I never think a thought that dishonors unrightly anybody. And I love you. I love Jesus because he has the mind I always want to have. That always sees things as they are in a way that brings out the best in others. If they believe. I want that heart. And you want that heart, whether you know it or not. (laughs) So don't be afraid of commands like that. Praise him. Thank him that he's not telling you to do worse. Because he thinks that he's worse or you can't change. He's wonderful. So anyhow, this is Jesus bringing things back to our culture. Uh, We are in a messed up time. And, uh, you know, relations between men and women have always been quite broken. Uh, The first casualty of the fall, where men and women united together to reject the word of God and ate the fruit, the first casualty of the fall was easy or pain-free unity between man and woman. And that brokenness persists and expresses itself in a ton of different ways. And in my humble opinion, I think it's gotten particularly bad in our days, in our, in our cultures, so the Western world. And I don't know what to do about it, other than turn to Jesus because He's got He's got, He does have us. But uh, can I just do it for instance? I've, I've been double-minded about doing this because um, there was this statue that went up on a Manhattan courthouse recently. Did anybody hear about this? The golden statue. Okay, some people heard about this. So the story, as I understand it, was that there's this one courthouse in Manhattan, which is in New York, and New York is still the most influential city in the world, whether we like it or not. And this courthouse had all these, like, figures of who are historical figures for being lawmakers throughout history. So Moses was on there, probably, I think, some Greek guy. They had a statue of Muhammad up there. Um, And this was before they realized that Muslims don't actually like statues of their their holy people. Uh, they really don't like it. And so they took it down. And so they had this empty spot for some time. And more recently, they put a statue there. And the artist who made it wanted to commemorate the life and philosophy of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was one of the most ardent feminist and abortion supporters that had sat on the Supreme Court. And... Uh, I, I, I thought about showing the picture, but I don't want to show the picture because it's like it's an idol, and we're actually not supposed to be showing idols and bringing idols into the worship of God's zone. Um, but just a short description of it: it's somewhat female in appearance, except that the body is naked. Um, but it's weird because. Even though it's naked, the apparatus of the female body that would be associated with being female isn't there. Uh, So this statue could not bear or conceive, bear, or feed children, anatomically speaking. 
um, the arms and legs are not human arms and legs that would symbolize human actions with the world, but are actually dissected into serpentine, twisted forms that actually look snake-like. So that this images, appendages that would interact with and show strength are not human, but look snake-like. And on top of her head, whatever pronoun you might want to use, or its head, is uh, male goat-like. The the hair has been twisted into goat horns. Which you don't totally know what to do with, except that in Western culture, people with goat horns are usually associated with some kind of satanic worship. But at the very least, a goat a male goat is like considered symbolically an uber-masculine beast, which is the kind where you have like one goat that has a whole herd of females that it impregnates and is super aggressive. So you have this weird statue where obviously feminine forms are removed, obviously human appendages are replaced, and a female form is crowned with hyper-masculinity. And this person who made it thought that this would symbolize the present or the future of the legal structures of at least New York, but probably all of the United States. And for me, at the very least, it does... Like, I'm not sure. I know that the powers and principalities want to express themselves through culture, and at some point they want an image that reflects their influence in the culture. But at the very least, symbolically, there has been this, like, uh, what would you even say? Would the message be that the fertility that's, that God invested into the female needs to be removed? That the aggressiveness that's associated with broken masculinity needs to be crowned? And that this together would fix the world? Because that's what law does. Law is meant to come in when something's broken and bring righteousness and fix things. Is that the message? And at the very least, I would, I would think that Jesus might say to this, I don't see a woman. Maybe. I don't want to put words in Jesus' mouth. So I don't know the future. I, I don't. I don't think our culture is done because I think we've been here before in the West. Um, I think we were here at the end of the Age of Enlightenment, right before the French Revol- during the French Revolution, where there's this time of throwing off restraints and throwing off definitions and just deciding that f- the ability to do what you want without commitment is freedom. We've been there, and it was a bit of a catastrophe and led to the uh, mass killings of the French Revolution and then World War through the Napoleonic Wars. 
I think we were here a little bit before World War One and Two as well. There seems to be this cycle of like uh, progress leading to prosperity, prosperity leading to pride, pride leading to the tearing down of the things that got you prosperous in the first place, and then all heck breaking loose with all kinds of people being hurt in all kinds of different ways, and then some event summoning people back to like, hey, we don't need to live like this. And often, uh, a resurgence of faith in Jesus bringing people back to being who they actually are. Do you see this woman? Do you see this man? Jesus sees us and knows us. And I think that this is, you know, there could be a bomb go off somewhere, a nuke or two, and or we could all be in these 15-minute cities that people are working on, and it could be the end. I don't know. But I don't believe so. I think there's going to be a resurgence of people going, it's not working. The chemicals aren't working. The technology is not working. I want to be who I was made to be, and the only one who knows it is Jesus. I'm going to get loved by Jesus, defined by Jesus, healed by Jesus. I think this is the future. I think this is partly why, you know, when that, the, the, that Asbury thing is happening with the young people, um, and that movie coming out about Jesus' revolution, which is just reminding us that one of the biggest things that's happened in the church in North America was amongst the hippies, that everyone thought was rejecting everything good, but actually they were trying to find something real, and the chemicals weren't real, but tons of them found the real Jesus. And this is why I'm a, I'm a reality guy. Like, people want real I need real, and you need real. And not real is not going to work. And in this story with Jesus, we found out that this woman who had all the reputation, she was really saved. And Jesus had to say it a few times, just so nobody... People were trashing her right in front of her. And so he had to keep talking the truth to her. So that she would know his words. And she's really saved. And here's Simon thinking like, I'm one of the best people in Israel. And it was not real. So bringing it back to my wife's smiling face. And I'm not trying to make anything awkward at all. And, uh, but I think... One of the reasons God sometimes calls guys like me to marriage is it takes me 20 years to realize I'm living with God. (laughs) I'm living with the image of God. My kids are in the image of God. My little girls are made in the image of God. They're so holy just by creation and even more so by redemption. And Jesus sees them and knows them 
And it's my honor and privilege to see them too. As they really are. And I want this for us. I want all my young brothers to to see their sisters and be like, they're made in the image of God. And are worthy of, of a holiness only God could work through me. Because Jesus already sees them as they are. I really want that. I really want that. We are so, in our culture, we, we, in part it has to do with the embrace of atheism as a philosophy, which ultimately does reduce every human being to just a chemical bag. And this is the thing, like, the chemicals in my head are always going to be more important than whatever is going on in you. So atheistically, you can never be as important to me as I am to me. Which means ultimately, I will never get to the point of not using you for me. Because you do not have an intrinsic value beyond what you give me. And it's, it's a disaster. And each one of us knows in our soul, we're really important. We will shout, we will punch, we will burn things down just to try to get someone else to acknowledge that we're as important as we know we are. And the miracle of Jesus is that he can help us go, yeah, you are as important as me. And your life is just as real as my life is. Because you're known by God and made by God. So there's a part of me, and this is a little bit of a joke, there's a part of me where I feel like right now I'm saying yes to a thousand hours of listening to people talk about themselves. (laughs) And sometimes that is the price of getting to know people. Often that is, just like listening really well. And I think Jackie and I have been trying to work on this. Jackie's always a few years ahead of where I am in her marriage, except for food consumption. (laughs) I always get the trophy. You don't even place half the time. (laughs) Me and Josh struggle for dominance, but... Trying to work the ability with another human being to actually hear them without evaluating how what they're saying is impacting what you want. Does that make sense? I can listen to her without going, how's this going to impact me? How's this going to impact me? How's this going to impact me? That skill treats Jackie like she's a daughter of God. First before she's whatever relationship we have. 
that makes sense? Do you think that's fair, what, we're, what God's trying to help us with? And that's what Jesus was doing in that interaction with Simon. Everyone at the table, just so you know, this woman is mine before she's anybody else's. And then we as believers go into the world realizing everybody else belongs to God first before they owe us or cost us anything. Does that make sense? So I don't know where to go from here. It probably means I'm going to end up making up a song on the spot. Um, <laughs> no, Gath is praying. And I really want to be gentle. Uh, it's war out there. And we're worshiping the Prince of Peace. So the band's going to come up, but I just, I just want to call... I just want to say what Jesus said. Do you see these women? Our sisters, our neighbors, our moms, our daughters. Men and women both. Sometimes women are the worst parts of other women's lives. It's very easiest for for us to think it's men versus women. Sometimes women are the worst parts of other women's wives. And probably because women are seeing other women through themselves and what they want and not how they are first belonging to Jesus. Jesus, can you do everything it takes so we can have a heart like you in this area, please? Amen.